morning. It is really good to be with you this morning on the Sunday as we enter into Thanksgiving week. I hope that all of you have plans with your families to do wonderful things this week. A lot of people will be traveling during this time, so I ask you to keep everybody in your prayers for their safe journeys um, as they're going to see family or family are coming to see them so that we can all be back together safely um, in a week or in two weeks, depending on what the schedules are like. I want to start out by giving a Project 6K update. For those of you who may not know, Project 6K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park. Back in January, we challenged ourselves to read at least 6,000 books of the Bible in 2016, and we blew through that 6K mark a while back, and now we're up to 6,920 books of the Bible read, so uh, things are looking good. If you're on that sprint to the finish, um, today you're finishing the Gospel of John and moving ahead in that. Um, I know it's been really good to be able to read the Gospel of John, and I want to let you know that beginning next year, that's our first sermon series, we'll be preaching through the Gospel of John, so be looking forward to that as well. As we get started, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all of your blessings, and most of all, Father, we thank you for the blessing of your Son, Jesus Christ, for his blood, for his sacrifice. Father, for your love for us that sent Jesus to the cross, his love for us that made him willingly walk to the cross so that, Father, we can stand in your presence justified by you. Father, thank you for adopting us as your children. And, Father, we want to be children that you take delight in. Father, we want to be children that you are pleased with. Father, we don't want to ever become a burden to you. We don't want to ever weary you. We don't want to weary you in our actions or weary you in our worship. Father, help us to be the kind of children you have called us to be in the very image of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we pray this through his name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, let me start by saying welcome back to court. Today we are continuing our sermon series from the Old Testament book of Malachi. If you want to go ahead and find your place in Malachi, this would be a good time to do it. We'll be in chapters 2 and 3 of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So you can find it at the very end of your Old Testament. Or if you go to the very start of the New Testament, Matthew, then just turn back a couple of pages, you'll find Malachi there. And since Malachi reads like a courtroom drama, each week in this series what we've been doing is we've been taking our seats, our often uncomfortable seats, alongside Malachi's people in the courtroom. And we're doing that so we too, like Malachi's people, can be questioned and examined by God. And together with Malachi's people, we've emerged from the last two court sessions finding that we are guilty as charged Guilty as charged of showing contempt for God's name by too often bringing him sacrifices that don't actually require us to sacrifice anything. Guilty as charged by God of being unfaithful too often to our covenants. Guilty of being unfaithful to our covenant with our faithful God. Too often guilty of being unfaithful to our covenant with our faithful church community. And too often guilty of being unfaithful to our covenant with our faithful marriage partners. And I want to make sure that we understand that we're not coming to court each week just so that we can feel guilty. 
That's not why we're here. No, we're coming to Malachi's court to examine ourselves. To examine ourselves through God's eyes. So that we can then, by the grace of God, be transformed into the obedient and respectful and loving children that he has called us to be. We're coming to Malachi's court so that we can be transformed from contemptuous children into respectful children. We're coming into Malachi's court so that we can be transformed from covenant breakers into covenant keepers. And today we're coming into Malachi's court to hear God's latest charge, his latest charge against his people. So let's go ahead and call this court session to order and let's listen to God's latest charge against his people. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 17. The charge is, you have wearied the Lord with your words. You weary me is the charge. You weary me out is the charge. You exhaust me with your words is today's charge. How many parents can relate to that charge? How many of you have been made weary by your children's words? How many of you have experienced something like this on a trip? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. How about now? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Are we there yet? No, we're not. That's probably me. Maybe you didn't treat your children that way. No, we're not there yet. Or maybe you've had an afternoon at home that went something like this. Can I turn on the TV now? No, not now. How about now? No, not now. How about now? No, not now. No, not yet. No, not now. Sometimes our children's words make us weary. But this sounds like kind of a strange accusation, doesn't it? Kind of a strange accusation for God to bring against his people. See, I wouldn't expect for God to follow his charges of showing contempt for his name and his charge of demonstrating unfaithfulness to to his covenants by making a charge of making me weary. I mean, showing contempt for God's name and demonstrating unfaithfulness to our covenants, that sounds like those are felonies. And making him weary sounds more like a misdemeanor to me. But you need to know this isn't some trivial charge that God is bringing against his people. This isn't a case of God saying, you have shown contempt for my name and you have been unfaithful to your covenants. And oh, by the way, you have also kind of made me tired. No, this is a serious charge that God is bringing. It's a significant accusation that God is making. Wearying God isn't a misdemeanor offense. And to help us understand why you have wearied me is such a serious charge, let's listen again to the book of Isaiah. Let's hear again what God said through the prophet of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 14. The scripture that Zane read a few moments ago. Listen to a weary God. He says, your new moon festivals and your appointed feast my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread your hands in prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, 
I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood, so wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. You see, you have wearied me as such a serious accusation because God isn't made weary by the trivial. God is made weary by things like sacrifices and worship that are a burden to him instead of being a sweet aroma to him. God is made weary by prayer after prayer that are offered from the lips of people who have unclean hands. God is made weary by people who act as if their worship and prayers can hide their evil deeds from God's sight. So here in Isaiah, we hear God, weary and frustrated, saying to Isaiah's people, stop doing wrong and learn to do right. And so as we return to Malachi's courtroom, we need to understand that God is also weary because his people aren't there yet. You see, it was a weary God who sent the grandfathers and the grandmothers of Malachi's people into captivity. And God, 70 years later, brought their fathers and brought their mothers out of captivity and brought them back to Jerusalem. And it was God who rebuilt the temple. It was God who gave them back their land. And after this long journey with Judah... The people still aren't there yet. See, we go into Malachi's courtroom and we see that the people are still wearying their God. So as we step back into Malachi's courtroom and as we step back into Malachi chapter 2, we hear the people ask the question that we have come to expect. They ask God, how have we wearied you? What have we done to weary you, God? And we've come to expect that question, and we've also learned to brace ourselves for God's reply to the question. God says, how have you wearied me? Here's how you have wearied me. You have wearied me by saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. And you have wearied me by asking, where is the God of justice? See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in former years. So I will come near you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. 
I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, have not been destroyed. Sounds a lot like Isaiah, doesn't it? God's been on this long journey with Judah, and they aren't there yet. How have you wearied me? You have wearied me by saying that evil is good. You have wearied me by saying that those who do evil are actually doing good. You weary me whenever you corrupt the language of faith. You weary me when you distort my will for my children. You weary me when you turn my words upside down. To use the language again from Isaiah, this time from Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. You weary me when you call evil good and good evil. You weary me when you put darkness for light and light for darkness. You weary me when you put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So God's saying, you weary me when you call your blemished sacrifices, when you call those blemished sacrifices good sacrifices. And you weary me when you call your broken covenants good covenants. And you weary me when you call sorcerers and their sorcery good. You weary me when you call liars and their lies good. And you weary me when you look on those who cheat their workers and you call that good. And you weary me when you see people take advantage of widows and orphans and you call it good. And you weary me when you know that aliens are being deprived of justice and you call that good. And you weary me when you act as if I'm going to look upon all those evil deeds and say, it's all good. See, you weary me when you show me no respect. You weary me when you show me no fear. And I don't know for sure, but my guess is that this particular charge from God, you weary me by saying that evil is good. My guess is that this particular accusation may seem kind of distant to us. This may not make us feel very uncomfortable. I mean, we don't do that, do we? We don't look at the actions of adulterers and liars and cheats and oppressors and call it good, do we? But let me say, before we put ourselves completely off the hook on this charge, before we get too uncomfortable in the courtroom today, let's take a closer look at ourselves through God's eyes. See, as I reflect on my attitudes and behaviors, and as I reflect on the attitudes and behaviors of this Christian community, this church's life, their attitudes and behaviors, as I look on the greater Christian community's attitudes and behaviors, I'm afraid that many of us, maybe even most of us, have fallen into a consistent pattern, fallen into a trap of wearying God by saying that evil is good. The trap may go something like this. You know, the language in that movie isn't as bad as most, so I'm going to call it good. Or maybe the trap goes something like this. I treat my husband better than most wives, so I'll call my treatment good. 
Or maybe it's more like this. I don't cheat on my taxes, or I don't cheat on my test, or I don't cheat on my job, or I don't cheat on my wife as much as most do. So I'll call it good. Or what's most fresh on my mind is the recent elections. Sorry to bring that up again. Where I heard many of us, including me, use lesser of two evils kind of language. See, over the last several months, I've heard us say things like, I'm going to vote for the lesser of two evils. And voting for what each of us has determined was the lesser of two evils, that doesn't really bother me. But you know, I have to believe it wearies God when we then turn around and we call that lesser evil good. When we embrace that lesser evil. See, we need to understand that filthy language that is better than most language is still filthy. And we need to realize that hateful treatment of your husband that is better than most people's treatment of their husband is still hateful. And we need to grasp that cheating less than others is still cheating. And we also need to wake up to the fact that embracing the lesser of two evils is still embracing evil. How have we wearied you, God? We have wearied you by saying that the things that are evil are good. How have we wearied you, God? Well, God doesn't stop there. God also says, you have wearied me by saying that I'm absent. You have wearied me by saying that I'm nowhere to be found. You've wearied me by saying that I'm no longer active in your world. You weary me by looking around and asking, where is the God of justice? Now, here it's important that we understand that God isn't wearied because the people are calling on him to right the wrongs that they see around him. As you read through the prophets, you hear some of those prophetic calls. Where are you, God? Please right the wrongs that I see around me. This isn't one of those calls. This isn't like Habakkuk when he cries out to God, How long, O Lord, must I cry for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? No, God isn't wearied by those kinds of prophetic calls for us to, to call on God to actively right the wrongs in our world, by actively bringing justice to our world. That's not what Malachi's people are saying. See, God is wearied when Malachi's people ask where he is because they doubt that he's even present in their world. They doubt that he's still active in their world. But then Malachi leads us to ask a much better question than that. A much better question than, where is the God of justice? The better question that Malachi leads us to ask is, where are the God of justice's people in all of this? Just where are God's people? Because if you want to see the God of justice present in this world... You look for God's presence in those who claim to be his children. If you want to see God's presence in this world, then you should look at his children. Because God is present in those who honor him. He is present in those who respect him. He is present in those who obey him. 
And if you want to see God active in this world, then you look to his children. Because God is active in his covenant keepers. And if you want to see God present and active in the world, he is present and he is active in those who say good is good. He's active and present in those who say evil is evil. And he's active and present in his children who embrace good and reject evil. Even if that evil they reject is the lesser of two evils. See, God says to his children, if you want to see me present, if you want to see me active in your world, stop doing evil and learn to do good. And God also says, but if you persist in your wearying evil ways, then you need to be careful what you ask for. If you persist in your evil ways, be careful asking for the God of justice to show himself. He says, be careful what you ask for because God is coming. God is going to show himself. And when he comes, he's going to come with a refining fire. He's going to come with a cleansing soap. He's going to refine out the evil among his people. He's going to wash out the impurities among his people. God says, be careful what you ask for. Are you sure? Are you really sure that you can endure my refining? Endure my cleansing? So stop doing evil and learn to do good. Be careful what you ask for. God is coming. He is going to show himself. And that's a very frightening prospect. It's a very frightening prospect for people who are convinced that God is absent from their world. So God says, stop doing evil and learn to do good. So I think this is a very timely reminder. A very timely reminder for those of us that are sitting in Malachi's courtroom with Malachi's people. What a timely reminder this is for those of us sitting in this church building. To be reminded that God of justice is coming. And when we're reminded that the God of justice is coming... Let's make sure that we don't weary God by becoming weary of waiting for Jesus' return. Let's make sure that we're people who encourage each other, who build each other up, who help each other stop doing evil and learn to do good. Let's encourage people with Jesus' words, words like this from Mark chapter 13 and verse 32. Jesus says, no one knows about the day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard. Be alert. Because you do not know when that time will come. The God of justice is coming. Let's keep watch together. Let's stand firm together. Let's stop doing evil and learn to do good together. And as we live in this world, let's lift our eyes from the cares and the burdens, the weary parts of this world, the weariness of this world. Let's lift our eyes and look at the one who is present. 
Let's look to the one who is active. Let's look to the one who is able. Let's look to the one who is faithful to his promises. Let's be people who lift our eyes and lift our hearts and lift our voices to our faithful God, the God who saves. Because unless God himself saves his people, we have no hope of enduring the coming. But praise be to God that God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, has saved his children. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. He says, I always thank God for you. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. God is faithful. And because of Jesus Christ, we have been given every gift we need. Every gift we need to endure faithfully. It's Jesus who will keep us strong to the end. Those are promises made by our God, and our God is faithful to his promise of salvation to his children. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul also wrote this. He said, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Let's encourage each other with those words. Our God is faithful and he will do it. And that's why we're able to actually look forward to the day when the God of justice sends Jesus back to claim his own. And as we live in this in-between time, as we wait for Jesus to return, let's live, let's really live as people who have been refined. People who have been cleansed by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And let's be people who stop doing evil and learn to do good. So let's always call good, good. And let's always call evil, evil. And let's move from contempt for God's name to honor and respect for God our Father. And let's move from being unfaithful to faithful children, from covenant breakers to covenant keepers. And let's move from half-hearted worship to wholehearted worship. Wholehearted worship of the God of justice. The God who was and is and ever will be. Let's pray together. Oh God, you are faithful. And God, we confess that we have wearied you. 
We have wearied you with our less than our best sacrifices. We have wearied you with, our, with less than our best worship. We have wearied you by not, by not being faithful to our covenants. Father, we have wearied you by doing evil. Father, teach us to do good. And Father, we thank you for Jesus and his blood. Thank you for refining and cleansing us. Father, help us to always call good, good. Always identify evil as evil. Help us to always show you honor and respect. To always be faithful to our covenant partners. And Father, help us to always worship you with our whole hearts. Father, help us to have no other gods before you. We pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So as we end our time together, as we look forward to leaving here and going out and doing good, because we've been taught what is good, I want us to stand together and I want us to, in our united voices, lift our voices to the majestic God of justice. Let's stand together and let's worship together. Stand.